Martha! What? Why did you say that name? It's his mother's name. Oh. Okay. Was that Jesus? Jesus? How do you create this situation? I'm dealing with it. You're acting like a first year fucking thief. I'm acting like a professional. Hey folks. It's Slob Cinema, Sans Eddie. It's Omar and AJ show tonight. Again. Second pod in a row, just the duo. Muchachos. Los muchachos juntos. Yes. Which means the great white hunters. <laughs> <laughs> tonight we're doing uh, Omar's pick. The Australian Outback Western, The Proposition. Directed by John Hillcote. Written by Nick Cave. And uh, it was uh, almost like a spiritual awakening for us after watching this. I found myself. I hadn't seen this since I was 18. And Uh, and, uh, me, 16. 2005, uh, just fresh out of high school, post 9-11. R.I.P. And uh, in the third year of... uh, the Iraq War. Looking for those WMDs. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so, uh, I picked this movie. Uh, I We've been on a streak of just kind of... It is very funny to go from <laughs> Rocky Three to The Proposition. <laughs> yeah, this one gets pretty serious. It's not as silly as our uh, previous ones, but it's uh, amazing nonetheless. And uh, it's not talked about as much as other movies. No, I think this film kind of got... Well, I mean, I said to Omar, I said, uh, you know, he really beat me to the punch with a Western pick. Because Omar's aware that I love Westerns, all sorts of Westerns from lots of decades prior. But this was sort of like right at the start of the resurgence of the modern remake western you know you had films like the proposition 310 to yuma Mm -hmm. um you know that people they weren't popular but people were starting to sort of try it again try to make a western again and you've probably seen more westerns than i have uh i i did do the clint eastwood spaghetti westerns and the Mm -hmm. um is that racist like i've always thought okay it's italian westerns but you call them spaghetti westerns yeah, I don't think the Italians are for. They don't care. I mean, the Italians Western. don't give a shit about it. But it's it. funny that it's called spaghetti westerns because it's made by Italians, but they're all filmed in Spain. Spaghetti. So it should be more like empanadas. Westerns. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and you got to add the little lisp also since it's Spanish. Right. And how do you do that? <laughs> Is this uh, turning anyone on out there? <laughs> The ASMR crowd is really liking that part. Yeah, so I'm not as uh, I'm not as uh, acquainted with many westerns as you, but um, who is? Because you're a almost a movie god, like mm-hmm. a, like a movie catalog. It, pretty much every time I'm like, I'm gonna pick this, I, and then it's just like, oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I have no excuse. This is uh, besides not having a life. <laughs> Hey man, your life is film. Mm, true. This is, I got to give a shout out to my buddy Pete. He bought this for me on Steelbook on DVD. We watched that uh, today on DVD. During the uh, course of watching the film, both me and Omar bought this movie on Blu-ray. <laughs> for uh, for sure, dude. And I'm definitely going to take you up on that suggestion of just putting the Blu-ray inside of the DVD. Well, uh, yeah, I mean steel book and, and you don't want that it. stupid blue plastic you want that steel book you're right man and it's like damn near the same cover so and i also i was doing a little pre-research on youtube there's really no reviews about this i think that's just the anti like western thing like, yeah it's it's so odd that like this i guess movie... the closest it's come kind of thus far was like hell and high water mm-hmm. which like got some oscar nods yeah, or, who's or, the... or or No Country for Old Men, which came out like yep. those. Those are kind of the closest the Western in terms of like post, you know, the 
uh, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven in 92 got a lot of buzz. I but, love that movie. But post that, there really wasn't anything until No Country in 07, right? Mm-hmm. And then Hell, Hell or High Water was like two three, years ago? Yeah, three, four years ago. And Taylor Sheridan, he knows how to write a, a modern western. Right. Which he did that. He wrote uh, Sicario. Right. Uh, which that's like uh, very Mexican, you know, dealing or like, with the cartels. Uh, the, the other guy is like James Mangold, who did kind of like three westerns in different genres. He did like Copland, 310, 310 to Yuma, and then Logan, which, Logan's is, very, a western. which is very western. For sure. So like you kind of have these guys that like clearly that's their like hidden passion. Yeah. They want to like put that into movies that don't necessarily need that, but they yeah. do it anyway. Uh, there's something beautiful about some like a dusty orange movie, and a yeah. lot of the westerns have that orange tan look, obviously because of the landscape. But this one in particular, speaking of the proposition, a lot of horizon shots, a lot of sunsets, a lot of sunrises, stuff like that. The the motif is there, but man, the cinematography was just like balls there's there's some really crazy surrealistic shit like when fucking uh to the walls guy guy pierce is like moaning to himself in a hymnal <laughs> yeah at, at, like to a dead tree at dusk or whatever and it's like holy fuck he's just like whispering to himself the the lyrics of the the song which i don't know if it was nick cave or the Hill it's, Cope. it's nick cave and warren ellis did the score yeah so like, like chose the that. songs and score yeah. dude and uh, I don't know. We were blown away by this, and I think it was perfect that we didn't see the movie in a while because I was sucking the dick of this movie. <laughs> There's a lot to suck. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to suck. <laughs> so our main characters to sort of get like a sort of baseline is uh, the Burns brothers, uh, Mikey, who's a, a mental invalid, Charlie, who's Guy Pierce. Arthur, who's the outlaw on the run, played by Danny Houston. The dog. Then there's the lawman, Stanley, played by Ray Winstone, and his wife, Martha. And then we got the, the kind of like the douchey prick character, uh, Eden Fletcher. Played by David Wenham. Yeah. Slash Domino Gleason. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Those two guys him? look a lot alike. Yeah. And he's Irish or Scottish? I'm going to say something from the from the uk and what's really weird is the guy pierce super australian guy playing an irishman oh i'm an australian i get to be an australian film so what am i going to play an irishman me brother me me brother you say one lick about the irish again i'll shoot you in the right in the head (laughs) i uh, i'm coming off just watching uh re-watching hunger uh in from my Criterion purchases from Barnes and Noble, which today is the last day, July thirty first, to uh, catch that fifty yeah, percent off a, sale. Yeah, I bought a Polanski's Macbeth right under the wire today. It, is that the one with Fassbender? No, that's the most recent one. Okay, Polanski did you see that? No, I wanted to though, but I never saw it. Okay, I might. I probably sound like an idiot asking that question because Polanski hasn't made a movie in a while, right? Uh, no, he made a movie a couple of years ago. I mean, it's kind of weird because he's basically, like, ostracized from the U.S., so it's hard for his films to get shown over here. But right. They, but they are shown in Europe. Yeah. So I don't know what the last film he did was, but, I mean... Is he in R- Russia? Or where is he staying? In France like, or whatever. Okay, like, he just know. doesn't want the, any issues. Yeah, he just can't be, you know, they're not... The French are never going to extradite Polanski. I, I think he's in France. He might. I might be wrong, in which case there's egg on my face, but who, you know, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Uh, but no, that's 71, and it's uh, supposed to be quite good. And I, and I love uh, the story of Macbeth. Yeah, so. I do like that too. Just like self-deterioration... Uh, you want the glory. Wife drives you crazy. You have a woman murder. that's just destroying your life. Yeah. Welcome to Slop Cinema. <laughs> Where we talk about Macbeth and the proposition. <laughs> uh, this this uh, for my people who can't handle a grim world or even like a hellscape of a land. 
if you can't handle being immersed in like a purgatory of drunk Australians yep. whipping a mentally ill person, then you can't watch this film. It really is like a form of purgatory. It's just like it, it's it's hell, man. Everyone's drunk. Everyone's like beating somebody. Yeah. Everyone's getting beaten. Uh, Jesus gets a spear through the shoulder and like coughs up a lung and then gets healed and resurrected. We're either like looking at Guy Pierce who really looks like Jesus with his blue eyes and everything. Yeah, if, how did Guy Pierce get passed up for Jim Caviezel in Passion of the Christ? I know, and uh, maybe because he was Australian and not. Uh, well, no. clearly, if he can pull off an American accent in Memento, mm-hmm. an Irish accent in the proposition and an Australian natural accent in Animal Kingdom, clearly he could do like a Jesus voice. Mel Gibson. Um, he just didn't want to fuck with uh, anyone other than American actors. Oh, even though he did uh, Andrew Garfield, right? He's like British for Hacksaw yeah. Ridge. Right. Yeah. But either way, this movie is uh, from 2005, so it's been a while. Um... I, I just, I, I'm amazed that no one talks about this movie, but like you said, among critics and really like cinephiles. For like, yeah, movie people, this is like, especially if you're into westerns, I mean, this is like definitely on like your yeah, list of Yeah, they, they, they know what's up, so. Yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you break it down a little so bit. So the film begins with a shot of Gollum screaming and then a bare ass <laughs> as a shack with like Indonesian prostitutes is being ransacked by the police, presumably. Yeah, it's like a quick uh, shootout. Like, the beginning starts kind of surreal, but then it just kind of hits you with, like, uh, gunshots, a shootout. Yeah, this is this is a lot like the opening of um, um, the Sam Peckinpah film. Um, uh, Billy the Kid and... Uh, oh not the God. Wild Bunch. No, not the Wild Bunch. Which, I it's on my list, dude. I don't think I've seen any Sam Pe- uh, Peckinpah movies. And I always hear Quentin Tarantino talk about how how much of an influence Peckinpah was for him. And I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta watch that. Cause Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid is the Okay, okay. It, it opens a lot like this with like the cops sort of shooting a, a home base criminal shack to okay. pieces. Okay. And and uh, Tarantino's been making his rounds recently on the on the podcasts, um, just de- promoting de- that new novel he wrote, defending Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> he he definitely is just like I I didn't know he was. He's like raping. I thought of it as like a boss and a secretary scenario. Pretty it's much, like, uh... he's, he's pleading the fifth on that one. But he's yeah he's been promoting, but. I love just hearing him uh, when he's talking about Peck and Paul and like uh, a lot of his uh, influences, and mm-hmm. he loves like P.T. Anderson, and like he has high respect for other directors, which I like about Q.T. He's not a hater, so. Um, but the, I I gotta watch Wild Bunch, which uh, mm-hmm. I assume you've seen. Uh, many times. And uh, what can you say about that little film? Uh. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. For sure, dude. I gotta get on that. Uh, Wild Bunch is, without a doubt, his best overall film. There's there's other film. Pat Garrett and Billy Kidd is 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 a close one. Uh, but overall, if you want like a super superb like cinematic experience of Peck and Paw, it's the Wild Bunch. And he knows how to do like just like uh, gritty realism. He doesn't really take away. Too, but he he doesn't make it too romantic. That's what I keep hearing. And it's uh, all in the editing. And Hillcoat, uh, especially his. If you look at his filmography, Lawless and uh, The Road, he uh, he likes to make it bleak. Bleak and slow. Bleak and slow. Hmm. So here we're kind of uh, this gang. We don't really know who is who quite yet, but they're sort of captured, and it ends up with. Two men in a table in shackles facing Ray Winstone, who plays Stanley in this film. Awesome performance. And uh, he plays a hard-ass ham hock, dude. Like, he's just a big ball of man meat. And pretty much, he's like hell-bent on just civilizing Australia. I want to civilize this land. And uh, it could just be that little town or that, like, region. But he's he's he has his, like, wife, who's... Uh, Martha. It's she's pretty much like uh not a not a dandy, but like uh she's just one of those like hoity toity women that have like no idea about what 
the fuck is going on around them. And she has a good heart. She's a delicate flower in the in this rugged landscape. But her friend is the woman that the Burns brothers uh, rape and murder along with her husband and child, which is like the main crime mm-hmm. that the Burns brothers are being chased for. Like, the first ten minutes are just pretty... It sets that up and, like, it has Rain Winstone with a dialogue just saying how brutal that rape and murder was and how it was unforgivable. Mm-hmm. And how, I mean, he pretty... Like, after the shootout, they pretty much have uh, uh, Guy Pierce and his younger brother in shackles at this point. Charlie so, and Mikey. And they, and they pretty much uh, are apprehended... And, they ha- and there's this negotiation situation. Yeah, and, and he's kind of saying something along the lines of like, you know, uh, I'm going to... He says to Charlie, Guy Pierce, I'm going to hang Mikey on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. You have nine days to go find your brother, Arthur. Uh, or else, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang your brother. And then he's like, don't think I won't do it. And then he smashes Mikey in the head with the butt of his gun yeah just pistol whips like, him real hard and uh mikey's easy to pick on which is a fucked up situation and, and like there's that whole thing of uh we want to be civilized but even even though we're gonna pick on this weakling we want to civilize but we're gonna brutalize to get to that point. exactly yeah and they, and they somehow think that's justice and uh, Winstone. I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't totally hate him because he had his... He does have sort of a thing where he's clearly less racist than mm-hmm. most of the other people in the town. He had motives and it was kind he, of... He clearly had like a... You know, he had this theory. Whatever he, whatever was in his head meant by civilized, he clearly believed in that. Mm-hmm. So like he wasn't just like a racist, like get rid of these aboriginals and I'm going to beat the shit out of this criminal right it was like i do want justice and justice does bring some sort of civilization but it also like the way they're doing it is just kind of out of fear uh well yeah well when your idea of justice is like for the in the middle of the town square whipping like a mentally deficient guy a hundred times and everyone leaves before it's even over because they're so disgusted i mean like that's kind of portrays with this sort of westernization idea of crime and justice brings and uh eden fletcher who's like the boss of the captain uh... i don't really know what his official title is but clearly he has power over ray winstone to some point where he he's like you're finished you know you fucking let charlie burns go I'm going to whip the fuck out of Mikey Burns. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything about it. And he's essentially kind of like the, the the fancy equivalent of Ray Winstone's wife, where it's just kind of like he's always clean. He always has nice clothes, nice hat. He, You could tell he's not rugged like any yeah. of these characters, but somehow he has... Power. He, he's some sort of emissary or something from mm-hmm. from the from England. He's running the shots, which is uh, you you really do learn to hate him more than Winstone, even though Winstone is just kind of fucked up in his own situation. And well, Winstone's trying to like deal with this deal he made with Charlie, making his wife happy. Mm-hmm. You know, prosecuting those guys for the crime they did commit, regardless of how it looks to everybody else yeah you know he he doesn't want mikey whipped to fucking death he wants him to just he wants to hold up his deal that he made with charlie so clearly he has a form of honor and the brass david wenham's character clearly doesn't have any uh ray winstone says like if you whip him a hundred times he's gonna die and david wenham's like i don't give a fuck exactly and uh you think in a hellhole like this, in this situation, the most honorable man is probably not so honorable to like our standards. And like me and you are watching the movie, this movie, and we're just looking at each other like, dude, we're fucking pussies. <laughs> like yeah. this time, yeah. Somehow just... these people are living in Australia, the land of dead trees, dirt, and like getting beat on the fucking head. And it's basically like Mad Max, but not as conceptualized. It's really more down to earth, more 
just uh, a more of a um, well a realistic situation. Yeah, yeah, realistic. Like, clearly Mad Max is, like, the heightened version of this where, like, people are literally spraying themselves in the mouth with silver spray paint. <laughs> and in this movie, they're just doing what regular people would do, which is just get hammered, drunk, and beat up somebody. A lot of uh, inebriation, a lot of, uh, I mean, how else would you just deal with a world like this? Yeah, which Even- that's got to do fucking terrible things to your, like, system to be in such a hot climate and getting so dehydrated from just drinking all day long and uh and there's no water you're right dude and everyone just kind of looks disheveled and fucked up man. they all look like old footballs and stuff and, like, fucking <laughs> catcher's the, mitts the old pigskins. yeah uh it was nice to see that john hurt plays the same character in this film as he does in uh kingdom of the crystal skull just a crazy blathering englishman and and Who like hates the Irish. And you could just tell he's just waiting for a visitor and when he gets a visitor he just becomes poetic and like in his drunkenness he's just like so uh, you know just like He says the Irish are the finest race to ever peel a potato. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's when uh Guy Pierce's character is just kind of just uh he visits him and and Charlie just kind of is just dealing with the whole situation, but also Charlie is no fool, which uh, we see, we see throughout the whole movie. He's a quiet guy. He has that uh, Jesus-like stoicism. Not as uh, he does look like Jesus though. There's like ten shots where he just like <laughs> Jesus Christ, especially when he's like cut with a spear, like yeah, like, yeah, you know, and just, which comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and then he like coughs up half his lung. He's like. <laughs> So I can let you uh, just like break down the beginning of the movie because it does get started and we already started with the shootout and then here's the the titular proposition deal he gives he gives Charlie nine days to find his brother bring him back or else he'll hang Mikey mm-hmm. and pretty much I mean the abuse of Mikey is already it it already starts like clearly Mikey is in such a state if you're watching the film you clearly know that Mikey is not really a criminal. Like, he's clearly a guy that is, like, either made to do things or in his mental fragility does things that he doesn't understand. So clearly he's, like, the absolute scapegoat. And he's he's the most emotional. He's the most... Uh, he's scared. He cries. Um, he whimpers. He, he whines. And I don't know if this is just a situation where it's just like this is where uh, what the normal man would be amongst like a hell world as this is. I mean, everything's pretty brutal. And, uh, you know, you would like to tell yourself, oh, I'd be one of the tough guys. But even like some of the guards that are in charge of uh, watching Charlie's little brother. In they're the like cell. doing circus act shit, like whips with a stool and like. Yeah, and they're just drunks. They're weak. They're they're silly. They're... Well, and even Ray Winston, he's like, I will civilize this land. By taking my headache, heroin pills, and getting drunk as fuck. Yeah, he was doing some like weird thing in like this little like paper thing and he would just pop it in his mouth and then and his we wife is like i had a dream about a baby child that grasped my finger and i'm in a bath and i'm high as a kite <laughs> and uh she I like love... totally detaches from reality for sure she's like in her bubble and uh played well, seeing by a, seeing a guy like whipped to death we might do that to you played by emily watson that's her name? right who uh famously got gang banged to death and lars von trier's breaking the waves which I had to, I haven't seen a Lars von Trier movie. I'm intimidated by his movies. The House That Jack Built, Antichrist, mm-hmm. uh, and Nymph- of course Nymphomaniac, Part One and Two. Mm-hmm. Which I have a buddy who was like obsessed with those movies for like uh, a year. He was just like <laughs> Nymphomaniac, uh, this and this, Nymphomaniac, this what, and this. What a masterpiece. Yeah, and I was just like, okay. Uh, even I have not seen either of those parts more than once. I just caught the uncut versions on Pornhub. The mm. Uncut clips. Penetration. Which is fucked up, but it's like... Uh, I mean, at that point, it's pretty much porno. Right? It's it's art house porn. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I've seen too much already. <laughs> too much has been seen by these eyes. <laughs> Lars von Trier, what what's wrong with you, dude? 
I don't know. Who hurt you? <laughs> Who played with your booty hole when you were a kid? <laughs> Who did this to you? <laughs> your mother, like, his mother, like, whipped him and then forced him to jerk off in front of her. And you're like, oh, I understand now. And he's like, I will make films about this. <laughs> Criterion will love me. Uh, let's talk about the dead man vibes. Yeah. The, the Jim I'm... the Jim Jarmish connections, because clearly this comes out a good roughly 10 years after that film. And uh, what the music, the sort of distortion bass score that comes along with it, and the overall stillness, tone, and irony that cut across both films, it's kind of like... You know, John Hillcoat must have seen Dead Man, no? Yeah, and uh, Jarmusch always has those riffs all through his movies. Just those, like, guitar riffs and, like, weird uh, surrealism. Uh, There's a lot of death, a lot of afterlife type of situations. Stupid fucking white man. (laughs) That was my favorite native in any movie. Yeah. Other than Colin Farrell and... uh, No, no, no. More than West Studi and Deep Rising? Which, uh... West Studi is awesome also. He, Last of the Mohicans, dude. Mm-hmm. And then he was recently in that other one with uh, Christian Bale I hadn't seen yet. Uh, oh, I don't know that one. Oh, man. It's like Christian Bale has this like gnarly mustache and it's like <laughs> like uh, colonialism type of movie. Okay. Yeah. It, it like came out like three years ago, four years ago. Mm, okay. Yeah, I looked that one up. It's like, damn, I don't even remember the... Yeah, I looked that up, but... My overall feeling of this movie really is just like a cat and mouse. Uh, Guy Pierce just has to search for his fucked up brother, but also caring for his uh, weak brother, his meek brother. And then Winstone just trying to bring justice. Hostiles. There you go. Yeah. 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 West Studi and Christian Bale. 2017. Who's that directed by? Uh, Scott Cooper. Who has directed, oh, Crazy Heart and Out of the Furnace. Okay, Out of the Furnace, I, I own that Which is also one. Christian Bale flick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and Black Mass with Johnny Depp. Which wasn't that good. No, but, you know, I mean, clearly this guy, like, you know, it's not like a total shit show. Yeah, yeah, he's not a hacker or anything. No, no. So, I mean, this movie's pretty much like a basic, uh, where it's just like Winstone puts that proposition on him. And he's just like, well, we're going to kill your little brother if you don't go get your... your." And that was his uh, Guy Pierce's older brother, right? Right, Arthur. Mm-hmm. And Arthur's just like... They call him the dog man. Yeah. He sits in a cave and howls at the moon and grows fangs and shit. <laughs> Crazy. Like uh, the sort of aboriginal lackey, yep. Jacko says. That was the legend. He, right. he was a legend. He uh... Which is like clearly if just like you have a beard and long hair, you're a dog person. And I don't know, but the way he like handled himself, he stayed in caves, he was elusive. Clearly educated, he like knows British poets or something. Yeah, pretty before much. Before he kills John Hurt in the most painful way possible. And I just love all the actors in this movie and like the way they... Great they faces. Deliver their lines and like how rugged they could be and... Uh... We we were just kind of blown away. I, I I had the feeling from you too. Where it's just kind of like Jesus, like this is, this this movie's legit, and no one talks about it. Uh, so he's like sent on. He has like a he has like a dream. He has a what there? What's that Australian uh, film by Nicholas Rogue? Um, hold on, because there's like a term for it. Uh huh. Uh, hold on, let me look this up. Nicholas Rogue. And I have to admit, I, I'm not too familiar with like Australian cinema. Uh. Not one kangaroo in this movie, which I'm disappointed. Walkabout. Walkabout is the hmm. Nicholas Rogue film that he was pretty famous for, which is like sort of like a surreal Australian, like a brother and sister go on a trek through the outback okay. type of movie. And and like it, it is a surreal land. I mean. It's yeah. so. It's like I'm passing by dead trees, and ooh, I got a Aboriginal spear through my chest. And they, uh, again, I said uh, earlier that it just comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" You know? Yeah. Like, what happened here? Yeah. Yeah. Who threw that? Uh, some guy who got his head blown off. <laughs> For real. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like, 
he goes on a trek for Arthur. He kind of like find he he gets stabbed through the chest with a spear. Then he gets kind of time to heal. He's talking with his brother. It's sort of like waxing poetic about you know what the life has been like. Yeah. Uh, you know why did you leave me? Uh, join us again and be part of the family. That mm-hmm. sort of dialogue is happening, while Ray Winstone is slowly losing his grasp on his captain police. Uh, power that he has in the town. Uh, eventually, David Wenham's character says, listen, we're going to whip the fuck out of Mikey, so get the fuck out of the way. Give me the key. Mm-hmm. And then his wife is even like, give him the key. I want to see that fucker whipped because my friend got raped. Yeah, and th- this is their form of de- justice, but it's almost like they're just all sitting around with nothing to yeah. do, so it's just like, this is what we well, want now. Let's watch them get tied to the whipping post. Get whipped the fuck out of. So while Mikey is getting whipped, uh, one of the like hooligans in Arthur's uh, clan is singing uh, an Irish ballad, and I just thought, hell for me, would be getting whipped while listening to an Irish ballad like Mikey. And <laughs> we cracked up so hard on that part, because it was just like, uh, it, it cut to that where they were in the, um, the cave, and uh, they were in Arthur's kind of like little, it wasn't even like a cave, but it was just kind of like a cavern or some sort of canyon. Yeah, type some sort of, of valley canyon type deal. Yeah, and they, they were just in there kind of making camp and singing while uh, little brother was getting whipped. And uh, Martha, again, she's just in her little bubble and she wanted the justice, she, but she couldn't even handle the whipping. Yeah, they're on like whip number 38 and he's like passed out. And she faints. And the guy who's whipping just is blood He's like covered splatter. in blood, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I mean, just, you could stop, but... Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think Ray Winston takes the whip from the from the guy and is like, he's your fucking whip, and like rubs like the blood on his face or something. And he didn't, he didn't want him to continue whipping him, even right. though they weren't even like halfway done with the total no. whips of... 100 so it, it, he had some bloodlust too which is like if if you're not living in that land of savagery you you almost he he had like a high tolerance it's like for the, it it's like the pain of living there you, you got to take it out on someone exactly and that and it just did seem like they were just all sitting around and just like waiting for something to happen like this Jacko guy, like translates for them, finds other Aboriginals for them, like is like a companion, but they still call him like a black bastard, and mm-hmm. it's like, so even this guy that is like offering you a service, you still treat like shit. Yeah, and it's just kind of like one of those like slave type of situations where you you get one and uh, you you utilize them, but you don't normally uh, you don't really respect them. No. And it, even the movie kind of does that because he just like there's just like a quick shot of him dead, even though he was a character in the in, right. the, in the movie. Yeah. So um, it just kind of shows the treatment of him, and then they uh, uh, Stanley sends out a hunting party mm-hmm. uh, with Jacko and his sergeant and stuff, and they get fucking obliterated by Arthur's clan of criminals because they're all like drunk and useless. Which is clearly like a message of the film of like the bureaucracy of like, oh, these lawmen just get drunk and wasted and can't do anything, so they, then they get fucking killed. But um, after that, the Arthur clan sort of makes its way towards the the town. Mm-hmm. And uh, Guy Pierce, uh, Charlie is with them, and they sort of masquerade as police officers rather unbelievably, but sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with their Irish they're like accents. dirty, stinking Irishmen, <laughs> and they're like, "We're police officers." Yeah, and they were dragging one me, of their me brother, buddies. me brother and I are police officers, and they're like, "Huh, okay," and they come in, ravage the stockade, get Mikey out of there. Uh, Mikey dies from his wounds. Yeah, he they, got whipped so bad. They they bury Mikey in rocks by a dead tree, another dead tree. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Arthur and another one of the lackeys goes to attack Stanley's compound. 
And that's kind of, I mean, there, there's like, I, this movie, the pacing is really good. Mm-hmm. And th- there's like a lot of uh, heavy, lofty dialogue, but it never feels like it slows down. And, never, and it's not pretentious. Right. It's not like already to the point of not understanding it. Yeah. You're just kind of like with, you're understanding the mental state of these people and mm-hmm. why they're doing the things. And all the acting is so good too. Like whoever's talking, you're just Guy like, Pierce says like 14 words in this movie. And you're totally into you're totally like with what they're him. all yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. So. so Arthur and his lackey attack Stanley's compound, like beat the fuck out of him. His lackey starts the process of raping the wife. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, Charlie catches up with him, tells him Mikey is dead, kills the would-be rapist, and then shoots his brother right in the belly. Twice. And he he had to do it. Because mm-hmm. at this point, I mean... He said, like, enough is enough. He's and like, the, the brutalization, I mean, they really, they were going to rape Martha. Um, and just kind of, the one thing I did notice is how, like... Uh, the captain, Ray Winstone, he just wanted to civilize it. Not civ- he wanted to make it civilized, so he had his like little garden. Yeah. He had a fence. Yeah. Where it's just like in such a vast Useless, land. Like like Exactly. Like you're trying to set up a fence against this massive, like primitive landscape. Yeah. Like, and it's like so what stu- are you gonna useless. do with that? Yeah. And it's just like you got your little flower, you got your little house, you got your little clean where even and and when they right before like the rape and the ravaging happens, they're trying to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, he, which he, is, he uh, carves the turkey. Yeah, and it, which is really just one of those things where you would think like you feel safe with Christmas. Yeah, with like the cele- uh, celebration of Christmas, there's no sin, there's no evil, there's no. But and like, at this moment, yeah. Well, and Christmas is just so surreal compared to this landscape. Exactly. Era. It doesn't even... It almost doesn't even fit. No. Where you're like, were people celebrating Christmas at this time? But it, it just works because you get that contrast of like, okay, they're still forcing it, trying to... Pretend that... There, it's Christmas Day. Yeah. We're going to have our turkey. We're going to have a... Oh, my God. It's a bunch of dudes that are going to rape my wife. Another uh, Peck and Paw reference. This is like uh, the Siege on Treacher's Farm and Straw Dogs. Okay. And that's another, another uh, rape-revenge movie. Well, yeah, rape-revenge movie. But, yeah, that's definitely like echoes of that are clearly in this. So this guy had his influences, man. But, uh, yeah, Guy Pierce shoots him twice and... Uh, they kind of walk out again to the horizon mm-hmm. and are, have another one. There's like three Tatooine Star Wars moments where they're, <laughs> yeah. where they're just two brothers looking at the sun. And uh, the brother, I think the last line of the movie is, what are you going to do now? And then Arthur dies. And then the film ends. Yeah, the, it, it's just, I was trying to figure out what that symbol was because there was a lot of horizon shots and a lot of sunrises, sunsets, the sun was at, I mean, there's there had to be at least 10 shots of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, I, I, I don't know what they were trying to do with that, if you have anything, what you think that meant, or between brothers, or between, uh, like... I can almost take it as like as as like civilized as you want to make the world. Regardless, the sun's gonna set, the sun's that's, gonna rise. That's kind of what I was thinking. Is that there's no there's no stopping the natural order of exactly. things. Exactly, and you can do whatever you life, want. Life life's gonna be brutal. Life's gonna be hard. Exactly. You can try to impose your rules and mm-hmm. laws, but ultimately people are primitive and driven by instinct. I agree with rather that. than. The rules they're subjugated to. That's totally true, man. And I mean, like, even like you was talking about, like, the dead trees. Mm-hmm. Like, trees live forever, but I mean, they eventually die. They mm-hmm. eventually dry out. They eventually, uh, I, I don't know. It's just like, uh, I, I love that. Where, and, uh, Guy Pierce's character just continues on. You don't know what he's, and, and, and that's like beautiful. Where it's like, yeah. what are you gonna do next? Well, the sun is setting on this part of his life. Mm-hmm. And that's it. With the death of, you know, coinciding with the, de- the death of his brother, which his life is, is setting like the sun, you know, it's mm-hmm. being extinguished. So you also have the thing of with, <coughs> you also have the thing of like with every life, there's got to be a death. 
He lost two brothers in this movie, man. Yeah, that's pretty fucking harsh. And he, uh, he, I mean, did he even smile in this movie? A guy Pierce, not at all. I don't right? think. I don't just... think there was a single smile besides the guys that were like drunk talking about how they wanted to fuck the captain. Yeah, wife. it was just miserable. But like, yeah. it's like a Hieronymus Bosch painting. It's just like purgatory and suffering. And like, uh, you know, I love to use the Letterbox app, and I noticed someone gave this movie half a star. No, what did that fucking motherfucker say? Can I read it to you? Yeah. Uh, miserablest for no reason. Miserablest? Poor, poor production values. <laughs> Five likes this person got. I can't even get one like on, on my... Uh... Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, they watched it December 17th. Was that? Miserablest for no reason. Poor production values. Which is like, <laughs> what are you fucking watching? Yeah, let's let's check this person out. Let's just uh, destroy them. Well, their recent activity, they watched uh, Hercules in New York. Okay. They gave, uh, they gave Down to You two and a half stars. Starring uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Julia Stiles. What the fuck is this guy watching? I don't know, but I'm going to have to just write a comment. This guy is like a meth addict, probably. I'm following them, too. Oh, He's, God. Oh, my. I'm not going to delete them off, but that person... Well, I guess they can be on Letterboxd. Yeah, I guess you can voice an opinion however wrong you fucking are. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Sing the songs of a happy new season! <laughs> So uh, I know I know we kind of flew through this movie. It's relatively short movie. It's, it's not even well. It's, it's hard to the plot is very simple. Yes. It's like guy goes looking for his outlaw brother, brings him back, then he kills the brother essentially. And you can really spend. So it's it's more about understanding and watching to mm-hmm. feel the tone of the movie is the real experience here. So you need to go watch the movie. Yeah. Experience it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Come away with it what you will. Probably not as much as that fucking idiot who gave it a half a star, <laughs> but you know. And it's not even two hours long, but it's dude, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Like it, I and I don't know, I, I don't want to sound like weird about it, but like men can probably connect because a little more because men are pieces of shit. We're just <laughs> animals. We're we're and in a time like this. Of uh, whatever the year was where, like, resources were low, murder was high, um, just, I don't know, it's it's just like a time of lawlessness. You can really see what men are capable of, either great evil or, like, Ray Winstone's character where he's like, I'm going to bring civilization. I want to civilize this land where he failed miserably. The, The best part is about this Western, which usually Westerns end with some sort of salvation of a character yeah this film does not have that no one no one no one attains you know uh like a point in their life where their sins are forgiven Mm -hmm. no one reaches a point where they uh you know outdo evil and overcome it as a good person there's just it is what it is you know and I don't know, this might be a stretch, but you think of uh, um, Houston's character and Guy Pierce's character, which is like, okay, is there anything there that could be like Judas and Jesus, just because they both look like biblical characters <laughs> with their long hair and beards? and Yeah. Probably not, but there is, uh, there is some sort of betrayal, but... In that in that sense of betrayal, I mean, the younger brother was sacrificed, and then there was also a betrayal. But that was the ultimate justice. Like Guy Pierce had to betray his brother, right? Because he was just like, bro, like you're you've gone off the deep end. Like you have to die. Yeah. And uh, well, it's it's technically because of his older brother that Mikey is even taken hostage. Exactly. So leading up to the pact fact that arthur is the only reason mikey even gets killed so someone's so brilliant there has to be a life for a life dude. They, ha- they had to be taken off the the earth and it, but it's like two lives like so many people died and then like the the weakest character which would be uh martha 
And we, I just call her weak for the reason where she was a little delusional yeah. about like how in the world she clearly didn't understand the implications yeah. of her decisions. You know, just like she's living in this world and she's like everything is fine. Like she thinks she thinks like yeah, being behind Mikey getting whipped a hundred times isn't going to lead to any consequence. Exactly, and that, I mean. And she it, just thinks she's gonna have a happy, nice Christmas dinner, and, it's and like, you think no, about lady. it, her innocence was was almost taken away. But at the same time, she also sees how ruthless the world is. Her husband's dead. She saw all this murder, blood splattering. She almost got raped. And the the question that uh, Guy Pierce's brother asked him is just kind of like, "What are you gonna do next?" I think about Martha too. Well, like, especially because like two. Two out of three parts of his identity are dead. Like if you're killing a brother, it's you know that you've known you've known that person your entire life. Yeah. So it's it's essentially a part of your life, no matter what how what your relationship is. It's a part of who you came to be. So like, Mikey gets killed and then he kills Arthur. What's left for Charlie? Really, I I don't know. Like just no, that's why the film ends with that question. Maybe just whispering to himself for the rest of the these days. And, Takes uh, a long walk into the desert and just riding his horse and just uh, I mean walks through the desert with a horse with no name. Exactly, is that what the song was? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, just just so existential, so beautiful, so abstract. I mean, I love this movie. Yeah, it's a great flick. And like it's it's a little it, it's pretty like I said it, it's abstract. So you don't want to like break down too much. You just want to watch it and just it. Um that's pretty much our excuse for like a shorter pod or like the way we're like breaking down the movie, but it's one of those where it's just like you you have to see this. Yeah. Like we're almost just like nudging you towards watching the movie over listening to us for three hours talking about the movie for sure i mean there wouldn't be you know there's there's hardly any dialogue the story is told through looks and glances and deaths and you know things like that so i mean uh yeah you people really need to watch the proposition underrated movie not seen as much as it should be now john hillcote the director i mean like this is a masterpiece, would you say? Uh, yeah. Because I, I want to give it five he's, stars. He's, he's got good films, but I think ultimately he's going to be remembered mostly for this. Yeah, and I mean, if, if I know I'm jumping jumping the gun a little bit with trying to give it five stars, but man, I like I I think I've rated like the last four movies we watched. Yeah. You know, like I said, I made the joke that I'm so, I'm like Richard Ro- it's Roper. It's funny how both this and Rocky Three were five star films. <laughs> yeah, and different. clearly very different yeah. reasons, but yeah. still, like you have to you have to do that sort of trickery with yourself in terms of you know what's like a great piece of filmmaking mm-hmm. and what's like a just so enjoyable piece of 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 movie you know moviedom. And I and I think. Uh, we can show how much we can expand or how, how much of, uh, of an understanding we have of movies. I would like to say because we can give a 1982 movie, <laughs> which was uh, Sylvester Stallone. You know, it's like, okay, we'll give that five stars. But also, this this movie is definitely a five stars. Definitely. It's almost like a... Like Rocky Three was a, a parenthesis, uh, you know, quotations, air quotes, five stars. Right. But this is a solid in stone five stars. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where like if someone hears Rocky Three, what? You know, I understand. Yeah. But still, the movie lover is gonna understand why that's five. But the proposition is also a five, definitely masterpiece. It's like if you're going to talk about a Stanley Kubrick movie, you're going to be like, okay, most likely a five, nothing yeah. lower than a four. Like, what would you say Kubrick's lowest rated movie, in your opinion? Uh, Killer's Kiss, probably, which was like the film he, re- he made right before The Killing mm-hmm. and was an independent film. Yeah. So it's like not, he hadn't reached Kubrick levels yet. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, that would be like a I would still, I would even still give Killer's Kiss at least a four. See, and that is like 
a, a debut film, and he's still yeah. That's his. Well, he has a, he has another like sort of like very independent, just produced by him and like friends called Fear and Desire, but that he like refuses to admit that that's like a real movie he made. Mm-hmm. His first actual like directorial movie is Killer's Kiss. What would uh? How many stars would you give the the Moon Landing movie? Uh, a half a star. <laughs> He left the flag flapping. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, dude, if you want to I'm going to be like this guy. Poor production value. Yeah, half a star. So, I mean, I, I kind of said what I feel about the movie. You can go on. I'll let yeah, you Yeah, man, know. five stars all the way. Watch this movie. I, I, I think even if you're not into westerns, it is just a good, dramatic, interesting, existential, you know, under two hours, you know interesting at the very 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 least interesting movie and the cinematography is amazing the acting is amazing the direction is amazing the faces of everybody the the characters the actors are amazing so i mean i i don't know how anyone can knock on this movie so yeah five stars from omar and aj a beautiful film uh hopefully we can get uh Eddie back on track. He's uh, we're in a contract dispute. He wants too much money. He's mm-hmm. asking for too many years for too he, much he money. He keeps on asking for like Power Rangers action figures, <laughs> and, like Godzilla mechs, and like matte paintings of I, I don't know. Yeah, all types of stuff. So we're trying to uh, negotiate with him. He's so like he can... smog, dude. We keep on like <laughs> offering riches, and he's just not happy about it. We want him to come back, and uh, when he does, he'll go ahead and pick uh, a stupid ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that nearly approaches the proposition. No, no, we love him, but like, yeah, I, I uh, kind of surprised you with this choice. Uh, this has I, been this has been slob slob cinema art house edition. Art house. Yeah. Whoosh. Slob cinema. Oh, and by the way, update from the last podcast: the Bucks did win the fucking championship. We watched that game. Hell yeah, go Bucks. Whoop, whoop.